welcome to Depth of Field, a Around the Lens panel discussion. We're talking about covering COVID. I'm Bruce Byers, photographer out of New York City. My panel today is Tracy Westcott, Brittany Newman, and William Schneider. Um, we're all RIT um, graduates, and William is an RIT instructor. We're all photographers, and we'd like to talk today about covering COVID. And I would like to open up the floor first to, to William, who I've known for many, many, many years and a great uh, photographer and a great teacher of journalism. Um, William, can you uh, give me some insights here as to what the, the school is dealing with and how you're teaching now these days? Well, uh, COVID has presented us with a lot of different challenges, not only in delivering the classroom work, um, you know, teaching. How do you teach photography in distance if that's what we have to do? And then uh, more challenges for the students to uh, how, do you, how do you have them go out and, and tell visual stories when actually getting with people could be potentially deadly. So what we did um, last spring is we kind of shut everything down and went online. And we had our students uh, do more things like this, where they would interview multiple people in different locations and put together those people's stories. We would interview them over Zoom, or we would give them recording equipment, and they would do diaries, or we would do interviews with them. And the students would, uh, would piece those together and we ended up building a website where all the students and some of the faculty even were putting put their stories up to talk about the early days of COVID. And then as the summer went on and things loosened up a little bit as people got more and more comfortable with it and understood, uh, we came back in the fall and we gave our students a lot of guidelines uh, on how, how to cover it how to photograph in, in, shall we say, delicate situations uh, to protect both themselves and their subjects. We didn't tell any student that they had to go out and, and make photos in the COVID world, keeping in mind that uh, in the fall, we had the protests here in Rochester, uh, just like you did in many, many other places. So that presented an, a whole other set of complications because of COVID. So basically what we, what we did was we talked to the students about social distancing. We talked to them about, you know, not only wearing masks, but being doubly sure, you know, many of them doubled up on masks and, uh, and sort of told them and, and worked with them on how to approach stories a little bit differently to be intimate yet not physically intimate. And uh, we ended up with quite a few good, uh, quite a few good things, and also a lot. Of, again, a lot of the students went out to cover the the protests. Those weren't as bad as indoor places because they were outside. There was constant movement. There was air, the whole nine yards. But everybody was very, very cautious about how they, you know, they did their work. I'm happy to say that I believe only one of our students tested positive. And she got that, shall we say, from other activities and not from, from uh, making any pictures out in the world at all. And in, and in general, RIT 
only had less than 100 cases from student, faculty, and staff. And again, as I said, in the photography school in particular, there were very, very, very few cases uh, and no one was hospitalized. So uh, it's been a challenge, but our students met it and still went and did their work. And from what it sounds like this semester, they're gonna get out and do even more. Again, being very, very cautious. That sounds great. That sounds great. So um, I would love to to hear from uh, Tracy and Brittany, and I believe they're going to be showing some of their work that they've been doing. Um, have you been in touch with their projects? I'm sure you've been in touch with them, but have you been in touch with their projects? Have they, as, as getting an assignment, are they doing it on their own or are they coming back and saying, hey, you know, getting some getting some guidance from you. Um, how, how are you dealing with your alumni, I guess is what I'm saying. Well, I mean, these ladies are, are pros now, uh, you know, and they're relatively short pro career. They've done very, very well. Uh, Tracy is a staffer in Minnesota and Brittany is a freelancer in New York City who, is it safe to say that a majority of your freelance work is with the New York Times? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, and I just signed a contract with AP uh, about a month ago. So, well, there excellent. You go. excellent. So, uh, so between the two of them, you know, they, they don't, you know, they don't, uh, they don't come to me for much advice anymore. And, uh, not that they ever did that much to begin with. <laughs> They're both very, very good and exceptional, uh, visual storytellers. And, uh, but seriously, uh, they've been doing a lot of really, really good work. And I would, uh, you know, and I think it's fair for them to present it to you and talk about that and their process. Uh, Brittany, well, both of them like to work on their own a lot. Uh, and I think that's a good thing. So. Well, that's, that's the typical photographer, you know, give, give them the world and they stand in a corner with nobody. Um, so uh, Tracy, take it away. Let's see what you got. Sure. So I'm Tracy. Um, I'm a digital content producer in Rochester, Minnesota, actually, um, for the Post Bulletin, and we're owned by Forum Communications Company. Um, so I think my take's a little bit different because I have the community journalism day by day, um, daily kind of work, um, and not so much the you know in the in the trenches, so to speak. Um, we do have Mayo Clinic here, but access issues have been always an, uh, something that we've kind of struggled with with them. Um, and uh, we got in once so far. So um, something to continue to work for and strive for, but um, I think everyone has been having a lot of those issues. So um, another thing to note is that we didn't really get hit very hard. Um, so we've only had, you know, 6,000 cases in Minnesota as a state, um, since, you know, March. So, um, a lot fewer than what you guys are seeing in New York city. Um, but we kind of are still dealing with all of the precautionary, um, measures and those kind of things. So I can start by sharing my screen here. Do you, do you find that when, uh, when you guys walk into a situation, a group of people or, or a, uh, indoor that they're telling you to uh, 
get safe or are you come or are you so safe as you walk in that there's no need to uh, tell people to put your masks on and all that? I mean, how, how do you approach the uh, scenarios that you have to do? Um, I would say that we pretty much as a newsroom have a, a standard of going into everything masked. Um, and we also have a opt out button kind of thing. Um, if there's any assignment that we just feel it's not safe, um, it's a discussion with our editors. Um, and right now um, it's a, it's a, we have to ask to go into houses and that kind of thing. It's more of a discussion. And um, so there's a lot more on the planning end of things, a lot more phone calls, a lot more um, interviews over the phone before you're doing things. Um, that kind of thing so that when you actually are in a you know inside space with someone you're not taking up the time for an interview and that kind of thing you're in and out um can you guys see my screen yep that's great yep. okay so this was like right in the beginning um this was march 16th of last year so um kind of like the community's response right away uh people went to libraries and started literally emptying the shelves kind of like the toilet paper crisis our library was you know completely not completely empty but it was pretty bare um within the first day after they announced that schools were going to be distance learning so this young lady um grabbed between her and her family, I think they had something like 85 library items um, before they left. So um, kind of just again, like community journalism out there, what what is happening in our city that's, um, you know, noteworthy, I guess. Yeah, but um, after a year, have you asked them for their nickel per day? <laughs> well, our, our library is back open now, but this oh, is okay. also like when we didn't know what this was and um, you can see no masks um, because it's, you know, right in the beginning right. kind of thing. Um, this is an image I made when I was just going to the grocery store. Uh, this was about two weeks into schools not having in-person learning. Uh, and I found these two families and I was wondering what they were doing in the parking lot. And the kids were just having a conversation out of their sunroofs. Um, it's kind of one of those moments where you're like glad I had my camera with me um but again it's just you know like really sharing how these little kids feel and trying to do it safely again um how much how much permission are you asking of of people more now or is it just accepted that you're that the people are allowing you to take pictures yeah, I mean, I think between COVID and the political state that we're in, um, there's definitely more hesitancy uh, when you're kind of out and about, um, especially, I mean, Rochester, Minnesota is a city of just over 100,000. So it's a small city. Um, and it's um, when you're kind of doing features and looking out, you know, for daily images um I tend to find myself introducing myself way, way further, like way, um, before I would normally um, and kind of getting a feel for how they are and you know are they going to let me on their property is it you know so I definitely take it um, with a little bit more you know caution than I would in the past I, you know so uh, this is mid-March um, this is a family that had a daycare um, so this is when we started to really kind of understand that it was you know pretty deadly and 
that people um, needed to change how they were living their lives. So um, this is a mom and a daughter and um, the little one Cora Jean has a um, lymph disorder. And so you can see her hands are fairly swollen but that also affects her um, immune system. And so the mom was running a daycare out of her home and she had to shut it down uh, to, to protect her daughter and um, kind of opened up a whole book of worms as far as how they're gonna get paid and all of that stuff. Um, as far as shooting the photograph, I didn't have any contact with them because I was being, you know, very, uh, very safe as far as the little one was concerned. And I didn't, you know, we, this was right in the beginning still, didn't really know exactly what we were working with. Um, so I kind of, this was part of a whole series that I did of window portraits of people that were more at risk. So, um, I photographed. I, I think two. I think it's great that you you calling it window portraits that you included the window because normally you probably would have just taken the picture of them and the window is kind of putting it in a place in history, you know. Um, it it's the windows there because of COVID. Pro and yeah, and yeah, it's showing that barrier. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that you see a lot of portraits shot through windows this time um, and it gets old fast because it's uh, hard to get creative when you can't, you know, really, you, you know, you have a window in front of you and you have to do that. So, right. um, yeah, this was a series I did just um, a couple of families that had immune um, disorders and um, some of them were older and some of them were younger and just kind of really like starting to get out there and make some work um, with the restrictions. So kind of still like a timid approach, but like I was just trying to feel out, you know, are people wanting to still have human contact and how, how far can I go um, with being safe, obviously. Um, and so this picture was about um, two months in and our senior living centers had kind of um, been on lockdown. And so it's a picture of a older resident waving to a um, daycare member and she's got a sign that says, we believe in you. And um, I found this assignment and um, I wasn't exactly sure what I was gonna kind of like, you know, walk into like most cases. Um, and this is when I think emotionally everything hit me, um, because this old lady reminded me of my grandma and I'm just, you know, thinking like, holy cow, I get to still, you know, have the privilege in a way of going out and seeing people and you kind of just forget a little bit about what everyone else is going through. No. Um, and so, yeah, the daycare, um, visited the staff through the windows so, or the the um, residents through the windows um, and this is another image that I made at the same senior living facility um, kind of just for me represents you know what is happening here here we have these people that are like locked in their rooms and you know they get minimal contact and um, just to see how happy the residents were to see like a human face outside their window. It was uh, an assignment I don't think I'll ever forget. Um, and then shifting kind of into just the sports world, all of our sports were canceled. So um, trying to figure out that's, that was the majority of my job description before um, COVID hit. 
And so I was used to um, working nights and covering high school sports every single day. And um, so they kind of just cut it off and it was it like no sports. And so this was a Be The Light MN um, hashtag trend, I guess you could say, where the stadiums turned on their lights for um, a couple of minutes just to honor everyone um, that, you know, working on the front lines, but also the kids that are missing out on their senior sports years and that kind of thing. So I went out with a small one of the smaller towns um, here and photographed them turning on their stadium lights um, for a couple minutes. And it's just an empty field kind of signifies like, you know, what's what's happening. Um, So um, this photo is um, actually my neighborhood is just out for a walk and um, this guy in the dino suit uh, is called the Quarantinosaurus and he decided he was going to kind of get out and cheer up the neighborhood. Um, again, this is kind of, this is in April and we're still not really, you know, seeing the effects like New York City is and um, so we have all of the lockdown precautions in place, but none of the um, real world, I guess, you know, our ICU units are still doing fine and all of it, that. Um, and then here's um, Pence and he visited Mayo Clinic. Um, it kind of went viral because he didn't wear a mask in Mayo Clinic. Um, so we weren't actually allowed to go in because of their precautions that they have in place for the public but um this was him just greeting like the the nurses outside um kind of thing am i going too fast is this no, like no, that's great it's great okay. you're doing great um and then graduation season kind of rolled around and um students weren't allowed to have any kind of graduation so i found um these three kids who actually live together and were uh, graduating from University of um, Minnesota Rochester and they uh, sat out in their courtyard and they live streamed their graduation service and um, or ceremony and you know they celebrated just the three of them um, so that was kind of fun to be a part of um, and then we have working from home when you have young kids um, so this is a teacher and her son um, who has an uh, IEP and he has um, issues staying focused and so this is kind of just one of the parts of her day where he's goofing off underneath the bed and she's trying to get some work done um, and she kind of said you know even though she's a teacher she sees it in a different respect now because she just realizes how much her son needs that one-on-one -on -one, um, time with his teachers and it's super hard for her to get anything done when she needs to kind of be sitting right there with him. Right. Um, and then again, just kind of community camaraderie here. Um, we had a parade going through the town um, and a local band decided they were gonna, you know, go parade and play music in the street. Um, and so kind of cool to see how the community responds to things um, and like the creativity that surrounds it. And here was the first day of school. 
students learning how to social distance. And again, we weren't allowed in the school, but they all met with their previous year teachers before to kind of, you know, get them all organized for the day, especially with little ones, it's kind of hard. Um, and they were the first group to do hybrid learning because they are a 15 and 45 school. So they go more, um, this was midsummer when they started on their first day instead of in September. Um, and again, learning from home, um, this little guy, James, he and his family moved here from Seattle and they actually took this quarantine time to um, switch to homeschooling. Distance learning just, as soon as they started, they knew distance learning wasn't going to work. Um, James has ADHD and his sister also has um, some learning disabilities and um, they basically, after a little bit of distance learning, were like, we can't do this. Um, they picked up their stuff, they moved across the country and they came here so they were closer to their family and they officially switched the uh, kids into homeschooling. So this is just me spending some time with them. Um, kind of doing a science experiment in their backyard. Um, and sports finally started to resume again, uh, but we didn't have, um, we, no fans were allowed. And so kind of uh, A, figuring out that if we even can be in there, um, a lot of times they'll send you up into the bleachers and make you shoot from no man's land and you can't move and you can't talk to anyone. and that kind of thing. So trying to figure out what the actual rules are for each school and how they are dealing with this. There's a lot of like logistics that go into it. We have to call the athletic director before every game and we have to make sure that, you know, sometimes I get my temperature checked. Sometimes I have to stand a certain place. Sometimes they don't let me, you know, they, it, it's like nothing ever happened. And then a last image of just being in school with a teacher who's, you know, doing a Zoom lesson this is the first time we were allowed even in the schools. So it's been a lot of access issues, a lot of phone calls to try and prove that, you know, the story is worth it and, you know, we should be there. But again, it's really hard to push back when the school or really anyone says, but COVID and we have to respect that. And so it's been a fine line of trying to make good images um, and images that mean something while also keeping everyone safe yeah and i i find that the one of the big things is you know you 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 see it as normal but it's not normal to get it and you get into that room and i'd like to get 10 feet over there but but you can't normally you could jump all over the place um so yeah do you find it limiting on your um documenting you know to get the story out do you find it um, that you, you go, I could have made this better without yeah. COVID, I'm assuming? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And people are like, okay with you stopping by for a portrait, but not okay with you being in the house. And if you get in the house, people are okay with you being there for 15 minutes, but not okay with you being there for a couple hours. Right. Um, so yeah, it's definitely kind of, you know, closed down a lot of that intimate opportunities for photos and storytelling. I think the other thing to note here is that we had the protest here as well. And so a lot of our coverage from May until honestly, September was protest coverage. And that kind of took like 
four months out of, you know, we were now telling a different story within COVID. So I didn't include any of my protest stuff in here. Um, but yeah, a lot of that, a lot of our energy, I guess, um, as a newsroom was kind of put onto that story that's in our backyard. Um, so. Well, yeah, it's it's great. And, and just the way you, you handled your images is, even even though you just did them, they're very historic. They they will you really mark the time, especially the windows. You know, to to have the window with the people in there. It's it is COVID. You know, and and twenty years from now, I think you wouldn't have to, have to talk about it. You could it would, which is a great to me a great way of of recording history and of being a photographer telling the story uh, when you're so limited. You know, so make sure that everything you can. So that's fantastic, uh, wonderful work. Um, did you did you take anything from as you're out there shooting? Does anything from the past, like when you're at RIT, um, come into what you're doing now? You know, I you know we were sitting in that class one day, and I and I learned this little button to push, and. I've got it on my, oh, it works today. I mean, you know, so that you're, you know, I'm, I went to school in, at RIT in 77 and there's little things every now and then I'm out shooting and I relate back to that, which is the wonderful thing. Yeah, I mean, technically speaking, I would say no, but I would say just life lessons or things that um, we kind of learn about. Like, I mean, you see here, I don't have any of the photos in the trenches. Like, you know, you, you see COVID photos and you see ICU nurses. And while that's something we definitely tried for, our community didn't really feel the brunt of this pandemic. And so it's not really, while it's still true to the story, this you know the images I show I'm showing you that's true to our community and how yeah, our yeah. community was locked down and so um in a way you get discouraged because you see like these powerful images coming out of New York City and you know all of these things that are happening in your backyard but on a very very you know less lesser scale and so trying to figure out like okay well how is this impacting my community and how can I show it um and a lot of it was the education part. A lot of it was, you know, just the distance learning, staying at home, figuring that kind of thing out. So I guess, you know, you, there's stories in your backyard, despite it not being the epicenter of a pandemic, um, there's still, every, it, it's affecting everyone. And so kind of just the community journalism part here is, you know, just out here every day, trying to listen to what's happening. Right, so, so uh, Brittany, let's get into the trenches here. You know, let's get into this hardcore New York City. I, I think the I think the big difference between um, uh, where you were, Tracy, is that when I when I went to to do my work, I had to walk by um, portable um, funeral homes, which were in the back of every hospital. So it re it reminded you of where we're at. No matter what you shot, you couldn't miss these tractor trailer trucks. So, in a way. You, you avoided that, that, uh, that ache that was in our, and to me, every time I walked by them, um, but you did show what your community was, so it was great. So Tracy, uh, sorry, Brittany, take it away. 
Um, thank you. So thanks for having me on this. Um, it's really nice to see Tracy and William. Um, I graduated RIT in 2018 and studied photojournalism. I've had like numerous classes with Tracy. Um, we've worked on lots of projects together too. So when coronavirus like came to New York, I had just came back from um, traveling with Mike Bloomberg on his campaign trail. Um, for the Times, I was a year-long photo fellow with the New York Times, um, so I was basically on assignment every single day, um, including weekends. I probably worked like 24 days out of the month, um, and I had just came back from Mike Bloomberg's campaign trail that was like a four-day trip traveling to like uh, seven states and 10 cities in four days, and two like positive COVID tests came up in Texas and that was like the next spot that they were about to go to. Um, and these are like really crowded um, places that we're going into where he's speaking um, and it hadn't hit New York yet. And so I came back to New York, um, was shooting like probably some like real estate stuff, some sort of like normal things. And then um, I had to like run to this, um, building and 42nd street that was like the first like positive covid person um in new york and it was like super like weird like the security guards are being super sneaky and like wasn't letting anyone come through and um it was just like a very eerie scene and after that day the whole like photo team at the times had a massive conference call i'm um, talking about like ppe how like this will be like the biggest story of our lifetime, probably all this stuff. And we had like literally every single photographer um, like and photo editor on this call. And so it was super serious. And then a couple of days after that, I started, I had like a really, really bad cough and I was like feeling a tightness in my chest and all of a sudden I couldn't smell or taste anything. Um, so I immediately texted my manager and editor saying like, I think I have coronavirus. But at this time there was like no test available. Like I was like freaking out because I didn't know how long this was going to last. I thought I was never going to shoot again. You know, it was like such a big historical moment and, you know, studying photojournalism, like I, I wanted to like be documenting this in any way I can. And so let me share my screen. Um, and so during this like very beginning time, um, I, I wasn't able to like go out at all. Um, and I also live in a one bedroom with my mom um, in Manhattan. And so my photo editor um, asked me if I would be open to being part of this project called the Still Lives Project, um, which is basically like personal photo essay um, that a whole but like 15 photographers did, including Eugene Richards, which William is like the person who introduced me to Eugene Richards. Um, and I've gone like so many of his talks and stuff. So I was like super excited to be and like honored to be like amongst this like list of photographers. Um, so my first like sort of coronavirus based project was documenting what my quarantine looked like. So this is my house. <laughs> I just moved to my first apartment in Tudor City. So I no longer live with my mom. Um, but my mom works as a professional clown. So we have like tons of like clown stuff and all this stuff. So I had to eat separately in separate rooms. And the last time I took self-portraits myself, like seriously, was when I was a senior in high school. Um, and so this photo actually won um, like year in pictures, which was cool. Um, and also kind of crazy because like the whole world will end up seeing like what my bedroom looks like. Um, and then I wrote like a little personal essay. I did some more um, documentation self-portraiture as to like what I was just doing, which is basically just like on my computer. Um, yeah. What was what was your mother feeling at that time? I see. I'd see this is great. Is this the, how you communicated with notes or? No, we just talk from the other side of the room. <laughs> yeah. Um, and surprisingly, she's never gotten it, thank God. Um, like, 
was never sick, never felt anything. Um, and I would just comfort my dog. But this is like a great project. So I suggest if you haven't seen it, that there's a whole bunch of photographers in this who have beautiful essays. Um, so after that finally ended, um, after like a couple weeks or so, I was like assigned to go feature hunt. Um, and um, my first assignment actually was um, to photograph a wedding um, that was being rescheduled because of coronavirus. Um, and the mom kept saying like at the finally at like dinner, she was like, you better get us on the front page. Da, da, da. And I was like, I don't think so. <laughs> Cause I just thought it was just like a normal, you know like New York story, but it actually made the front page. Um, and this is one of like the first like coronavirus like feature stories. Did, um, did the fact that you, did you find out if you had coronavirus and did that, did that affect you in anything when you, you know, went to do an assignment, if they'd known you had had it? No, I had, I got the antibody test. Um, it came up positive for it. Um, no, I, I have like so many N95 masks. Um, a lot of our assignments are mostly outdoors, um, even for portraiture. Um, I just recently had a COVID test this earlier this week on Monday and it came up negative. Um, so you had no limitate, nobody limited you because you had it, you know, thinking that, no. yeah, okay. Which was something I was worried about. Like, these are all the things I was thinking about in the moment in time when I had it. I was like, oh my God, like, I'm never going to work again. No one's ever going to see me. You know, it was all these things. Um, yeah. But basically I had, I've been in New York the entire time since it's happened. Um, and it's a crazy transformation to see like the city that I'm born and raised in just like completely empty, silent, like very eerie and weird. Um, this was, uh, so these pictures right now are just sort of me like wandering around um, throughout like the past like months, um, just seeing how New York has changed. Um, and it's pretty interesting when you are sort of wandering around uh, where your gut leads you. So I would turn a street and for some reason, like I know to just keep walking that way. And then something would like pop up in front of my eyes, which is kind of like um, funny how that happens. But uh, this guy, he's a postman. Um, I had just finished like a whole day in Harlem shooting like street scenes there of like what COVID looked like. I found like, like makeshift test sites and like uh, people selling masks on mannequins and everyone like trying to make a profit off of this um, right. on the streets and stuff. And no one really wearing masks. Um, and this was like early April. So it was like kind of like peak of it. Um, the, people, the people selling masks weren't wearing masks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, it was like classic New York. Um, but this guy, he was working a double shift. He was super overwhelmed. Um, he was sitting inside the mailbox. And I like, was, I like walked past him and I was like, and you was gonna beat yourself up a little bit sometimes or like bite your tongue and you're like, ah, damn it. Like, why didn't I like walk back and take a picture? You know, like when you saw something. And so I like did that and I walked back and I said, I told him who I was and what I was doing. Um, and, and he let me like take a photo, um, yeah. but he was super exhausted. Um, and then sometimes I would ask my editors um, if I could go somewhere, if I could choose where I wanna go. So I wanted to go to Coney Island to check out what that was looking like. Um, and I just thought this was like an interesting scene um, with like the Keep the Far Apart sign and the beach. And, um, yeah, it's like isolation. Um, also like, so with coronavirus in the city, like every week something new happened. Like now we're really, really used to it, which is crazy. But like when people were putting plastic bags up 
to like save themselves. So like, like for example, Uber drivers would put like plastic bag barriers up in cars to like protect themselves, protect themselves from the passengers. Um, delis would put up these gigantic plastic bags to like as barriers and stuff. Um, so all these things were like super new to me. Um, and so when this happened, this was like really jaw dropping. And this is like a deli that was um, like next to my house. Um, I would, so also like in the very beginning, no one was really wearing masks. So it was kind of finding like a needle in a haystack. I would like wake up at like 7 a.m. be like going to a whole bunch of different like places around the city, just trying to find people with masks. Um, and these guys I like found and they kissed and I was like, whoa. So, excellent, excellent. Dogs with their masks. Again, just like I would just wander around and like things that would just like kind of like come out be really interesting and I would have harsh deadlines too like every day like starting it depends like if I started at six I'd have a deadline at like 9 10 and then another one at 11 and then another one at 2 30 which is like when the paper well it's um, interesting you did the the dogs with the mask the uh, I think the one of the lions got it in the zoo and when I was photographing the the um, mounted police they wouldn't let people pat their horses because they were afraid that the people would give the horses COVID Mm -hmm. So when you're when you've got these deadlines, these real quick deadlines, um, you know, you're not long out of school um, and but you're in the whole era of digital and uh, electronics. How are you sending your material to your editor? Someone would like take a picture of me sometimes when I'm like filing. It depends. Um, I if I have a, if I know I have a harsh deadline, I'll bring my laptop with me and my uh, like photo bag. Um, and then I'll like literally, and this time too, it was really frustrating because used, I used to go inside banks because um, banks, I always felt like kind of very safe to like do this, like have my camera right there. Like I'd be sort of next to the ATM. Um, that's what I would always do when I was like um, photographing parades and stuff. Cause like the banks would be completely empty. You know, like Starbucks is like full and all those things, you know, and usually there's outlets. Um, but with this, you couldn't go inside a cafe. You can do anything. So I would like sit like underneath scaffolding <laughs> sometimes when it was like pouring down rain and like having to file. Um, did you use the, did you use the uh, kiosks at the corners, the Wi-Fi? No, I, I used my hotspot, but also That's the New York Times gives you um, like a portable Wi-Fi thing that was like super convenient. Um, and that was really amazing. Okay. Yeah. And, so and what, just, what kind of files do they require? JPEGs, raw? I mean, what are you, what are you giving them? So I, 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 sometimes I have like sort of like a mental shot list before I go out, um, like sort of what I know I need to get. And um, from there, when I take photos, I like sort of remember the ones that I like really like, you know, as I'm shooting them. Um, I plan out a time enough in advance that I can like um, ingest the images, caption them, tone them and send them without like stressing out about time. I, yeah, I, I, I just like select. So like from like say 400, uh, or like 600 amount of images I'm shooting, I'll choose between like 30 from there, from like a whole day shoot and then send them. And are, um, they, re are they requiring raw files at any time from you or are you just- No, all JPEGs. JPEGs, JPEGs. okay, yeah. that's great. All my JPEGs are big, so yeah. So you could almost almost shove it from your phone, from your, from your camera to your phone and email it if you didn't, if you needed to. Yeah, they, give, they gave us this new little thing that, um, it's really useful. I haven't used it yet, but um, it basically is like an SD card slash like CF card thing that connects to your phone. Um, okay. But I shoot with XQD cards. I have a Nikon D5. 
Um, so those are like the Sony ones. Um, right. So that wouldn't even work for them, but it's okay though. I've gotten so fast at it. It's kind of like unbelievable. Um, so, and I love uh, like photo mechanic and Photoshop are like my two main things. I don't, nice. I haven't gone to Lightroom since like sophomore year of college since uh, William introduced us to photo mechanics. So <laughs> yeah. Um, but this is like another thing like um, outdoor dining. We're now like super used to, um, but at this time it was like crazy to see like people wearing masks and still trying to like enjoy life, but like with these masks, like the masks is like super symbolic. It's super sad going next to hospitals. Sometimes I would have to be like stationed to go photograph uh, outside of like um, Beth Israel and stuff. And one time I almost got arrested because I wanted to get a better like look of like the big frozen trucks. So I like walked up the FDR drive, not knowing that like I could get like in a lot of trouble, let alone like hit by a car. Right. So um, this cop saw me and like beeped at me and told me to come down. Like, what are you doing? Da, da, da. And I showed him my pass. I was like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah he didn't want to do the paperwork <laughs> yeah um and yeah streets just like completely empty like you never see stuff like this before looks like a popular scene um i would get a sign to go to like when churches were back open available like available to go back in um people were required to wear masks and gloves and what what kind of what length lens are you using here um, this is, I think, a 24 to 70 all the way at 70. I would shoot like a lot with my 7200. Um, because of the distance. That's, yeah. what, that's what I was asking. You know, you know, it did all of a sudden you kind of had to step back and use different lenses than you're used to, I would assume. Yeah. Um, I kind of liked shooting with the 7200. It, it had like the sort of different effects, you know, um, but it was really hard to like connect with people. And a lot of people would yell at me. Like like some people I would ask if I could take their photo, for example, like the gay couple who I was kissing, you know, I'm like right in there or like the dogs, for example, and stuff like that and her too. But like, sometimes like I would wait, like go photograph like grocery lines and stuff. And people would be like, I know she's not taking my picture. Da, 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 you know, just like yelling. Um, it's cause people are stressed out and you know, no one wants to be remembered by this. You're also on the streets of New York, so don't worry about it. I also it. <laughs> feel like when you use a 70 to 200, it feels like more paparazzi slash invasive in a yeah. way. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I've had that issue too, because I've used it more, but um, I like working with, you know, a 35 prime or something and being right in there. And it just, a lot of times here, you know, it's just being selfish and unsafe if you're doing that in a way. Yeah. Um, and so trying to figure out like how to communicate with people when you have your whole mask, you know, your face is covered and you have this long like lens in their face, you know, and that was kind of just really trying to like overemphasize some like body language and, you know, be friendly waves and introduce yourself, so. Mm -hmm. But also I think it kind of helps um, uh, show that you're showing respect by stepping back, mm -hmm. but because you know your equipment, you can do it you can almost make it look like you want it but you know our limitations of COVID. it you know you're not on top of her you'd like to be on top of her, but you're not and, and it's COVID, a COVID regulation photographic COVID reg regulation yeah so it's great this is wonderful um this is my mom <laughs> uh i was assigned to go photograph uh a testing site that was inside a parking lot and that was also like super weird like sketchy weirdness like tons of national guard people everywhere um all these like 
doctors dressed in head to toe in PPE. And the only way I could photograph someone getting tested was um, like if I was in the car. Right. So, and the only way my mom would do it is if I did it. So we both took turns getting tested. Other, I'm forgetting what date, this was like a holiday, um, I think Memorial Day, one of those holidays, it's like sort of fun, we have like barbecues and stuff, um, and I was wandering around, um, I, I like this because I, I just like sort of like eye contact that like despite coronavirus, like the things that um, sort of like human nature, like the boy staring at the girls and the girls paying no mind and him like flipping around and stuff, so um, those sort of like really cool moments. And fashion, everyone was wearing masks. <laughs> yeah. um, outdoor dining, or like at this point, like restaurants were just like completely closed. Um, this is sort of in the beginning of like people like freaking out and like raiding the grocery store. Um, my mom was telling me like she went to the grocery store it's like Brittany you have to bring your camera there's like huge lines it was like right in the beginning um and so I told my editor that I wanted to go do it he let me are there um, do you do you do things where you know you you just said I had I told my editor and I I wanted to go do it what if you did it and then gave it to your editor do you, do um, or do you have I to mean, get it confirmed every time well it depends. Like if I'm like actually like pitching, pitching something that like we'll have text with it. I think um, it's important to like talk beforehand. I don't know. I, I think at this moment in time when I did this, it was like, I just, I just told him like, Hey, there's really long lines. Like, do you mind if I go shoot and like submit them to the server? It wasn't in at this time also I was on salary. So it wasn't like, like now where like, if I was to say something like that, it probably wouldn't go through, you know? And then this was like one of the most recent stories that I did. Um, it was about sort of like these jazz concerts that were popping up all around New York, uh, like especially like in like in November and October. Um, and it was just like nice, bright, you know, feeling of like walking around the city and actually like hearing jazz and music and um, people dancing and stuff. So, yeah. Um, and then this is, um, going to, I did like a lot, like every single day was something like different. Um, this is like going with people who are delivering food to people who don't want to go to the grocery store, who can't. Um, people like knocking on people's doors and like leaving it outside their door, putting it on the doorknob. That was pretty interesting to see. Again, more church stuff. Um, this was a story I did about doormen and how they would, what they were doing to like keep their residents safe. Um, this guy created like a gigantic uh, like spray that's like spits out with hand sanitizer essentially um, at you and it's like a whole thing. And so they would go through it all the time. And I originally shot this in the daytime um, and it looked awful. And I like, this was like gonna be like a whole big like photo story because I had like other doormen that I was also documenting. And so I was like, damn, I really need to like go back here. And so I asked him like, you mind if I like redo this? And I put two flashes um, and so it sort of looks like he's like in space. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. You, you did a great job. It's, it's wonderful. Absolutely yeah. wonderful. Um, this is a kid playing <laughs> like wearing like a gas mask. Um, another thing I was just like sort of wandering around. 
different neighborhoods and see these types of things. It's crazy. Um, kids not being allowed to play in playgrounds and schools being closed. Um, this was a sports story I did about um, how like an Olympian, like a lot of Olympic Olympians weren't allowed to go to the Olympics this year, right? So what they were doing to stay fit and in shape. Um, and this man, his name's Rudy Garcia Tolson. He's a Paralympian um, and a runner, and a swimmer. Um, and so I spent time in his house um, wearing a mask and like proper PPE the whole time. We spent about like an hour and a half together um, doing like a day in the life. And that was really sports section. <laughs> That's all I could think of um, that are like COVID-based stuff. But I'm, I'm basically shooting stuff like every day and it's a lot. Um, it can take a toll on you sometimes. What, what, do you, what do you shoot for yourself? Obviously, obviously a lot of this is, it looks very, it looks great and very personal, but obviously that you, you are working for the times and you have, you have deadlines and you have assignments. What do you find yourself shooting that you don't send to the editor or just for yourself? Some of these weird ones, actually, I like shoot for myself. Like this one I sent in, but I don't, maybe they used it, but I think some of these weird ones that are like a little off, I kind of shoot for myself like this, I like. Yeah. Um, I was, so last year, like before coronavirus, I've been working on this documentary about virginity auctions, girls that are selling their virginity online for like hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, I went to Peru um, in 2019 to document a girl who was selling hers for 400,000 and then Vice was interested in it. And so I was like trying to find New York subjects and I was finding girls who were in New York but when I wanted to go meet with them, this is when coronavirus happened and they didn't want to meet. Um, and so it was just like frustrating. So some of my personal, personal projects have like taken a little bit of a hold. Um, also working on a project that Tracy and William both know that I bumped into my biological father a couple years ago on the subway um, and working on a piece about that and the reconnection of that, that incorporates like voicemail and text messages, like old photos and stuff. Um, so, it depends. I, I'm also like besides freelancing for the times, I, I have like other like client work that I do that's more like branded content, like a little bit doc style. Um, so sometimes I'll go to like Boston for like this boxer who wants to have like new branding content for his like whole thing. Um, and, and yeah. <laughs> that sounds great. I, wonderful stuff. Really great. You know, this is I, I love the I love the the uh, the world. And, and the distance that we're working in, you know, from um, I went to our, I graduated RIT in 77 uh, from photo illustration and uh, totally different world back then. Um, but um, what, I'm gonna try to get my, my stuff up here. I, I document a lot of medical missions around the world and have been all over the place looking at some of the worst stuff in the world. And um, I was supposed to be in, in Pakistan working on a water project that I was working with the farmers there. And um, I was in, in Cuba in February, came back and all of a sudden somebody from Iran and somebody from India, I think, were going into the places that we were going to go, and they both were positive for COVID, and that shut that down. And um, so just coming back from Cuba and wa then watching Cuba start to be shut down, um, that wasn't great because I got some really great friends down there that are doing not too good right now. Um, so 
I was in the, I'm, I'm taking a little bit different angle than the both of you, because um, this was a, this was the, uh, a book from a project that I did um, out of a whim. I heard the, the clapping of, uh, you know, COVID, which is really big on New York. Um, and I went to 77th and Lex because I heard the noise and it was the, um, it was all the nurses coming out. And so I photographed for them and I, um, the next day I was in, I was working on them on my computer and I said, well, what the heck, I'm going to print some of these out. And I brought them back the next day. And of course the, all the nurses were there, the fire department, the everybody, you couldn't get into the hospital. It was like Fort Knox. It just, there was so many COVID patients in there. It was, you really didn't want to go in. Um, and I gave the photographs to the nurses um, and it just opened up their, their lives. It was just amazing. The smiles and the, uh, out of coming out of these, uh, these wards that they're just totally exhausted and uh, one nurse before I even started shooting, one nurse was sitting there leaning on, sitting on a, on a stoop. And I walked up to her and I looked at her and says, are you okay? And all of a sudden she drops her phone and she just looks up and says, I'm exhausted. And I just, you know, it was one of, she was in her, one of those private moments. I didn't even pick up my camera to photograph her because of what was going on. Um, so, um, I, literally went back almost every day for about 14 weeks. And in about the third week, the uh, nursing union, which is about 1300 members, contacted me and um, engaged me into continuing the project. And then we, then we produced um, a book. And um, it was uh, all about the, the day in the life of, and if you see these two photographs here, with me holding the photographs, I, I gave them uh, 2,500 photographs, which they then literally wallpapered the inside of the hospital with. So where I'm holding the pictures, uh, literally I gave them 2,500 pictures and they literally wallpapered the walls of the hospital. And um, so the, I had no idea that they were going to want a book until I, I was into the, like the 14th week. And um, what surprised me is that I was able to get all of this, you know, that I kept shooting and shooting and shooting and shooting just as a project. And then of course, financially, they, they started helping me out. Um, but it taught me that um, when you go into these things to to you know, cover as much as you possibly can because it's not going to be there tomorrow. Um, this is uh, the one on the left is uh, Lenox Hill Greenwich Village, which is where the other part of the nurses uh, go. And I would invite them outside um, to come out and photograph them because I was trying to photograph all the nurses. I got about 500 out of 1,300 uh, to 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 do. And then the people on the street were just amazing. You, it, it, at 6.58, there'd be nobody. It'd be the, like the photographs you were taking of the deserted New York City. There was just nobody there. 6.59, you'd think, ah, nobody's going to come out. 
at seven o'clock, it was like they came out of the woodwork, just packed. Um, but amazingly, socially distanced. You'd see the traffic on Seventh Avenue would completely stop because all the people are standing out in the middle of the street, uh, socially distancing. Um, so that was uh, it was fantastic. Um, and the mounted police um, would get into it. They would show up with their horses. One time they came with um, six horses and I've raced horses all my life and you gotta be really careful with noise and everything. Well, they're all standing there and there must've been three, 400 people around them. And the fire trucks start putting on their sirens and people start clapping and the horses just stood there going like, what's all the noise about? They just stood there, it was just amazing. Um, one of the, I think his mother worked at Lenox Hill, so he would bring his troop, troop there all the time. Um, and um, the landscape of, of what I shot, um, just it changed all the day, all day long. You never saw this many ambulances in front. Like if you go to Lenox Hill right now, there might be one or two. There were seven or eight ambulances there. Um, so it, it helped on my background, uh, which was wonderful. Um, and then during this whole thing, the, the nurses were in the hospital and outside still went on. The, the, the world still went on. Um, they lost a number of people in the hospital, you know, staff and nurses and stuff. And they uh, did a candle walk light with their cell phones um, around the hospital and uh, to honor, honor the people that they had lost individually. Um, and, and then the different crews would come out. Um, and I, was, I got to a point where the, the, there weren't that many nurses coming out for the clapping. And I started asking, you know, cause I started getting to know them and said, what's going on? He says, it's getting better in the hospital and they're sending home the nurses that were, that were uh, shipped in from other states. So there weren't that many people to come out. So I put up a black background and made my uh, a studio on the street. And I invited um, the nurses into my studio. And um, that allowed the, uh, the project to go on a lot further because I could literally ask one nurse to come out with her whole squad um, and they were completely separate from them. Just after a while, you know, just cheering was kind of repetitive, but being able to get them personally and individual. Um, and um, it allowed for, you know, I'd, I'd be shooting on Lexington Avenue right in the bus lane and the police would be standing behind me with their, with their lights on to keep the traffic. He didn't care about the traffic. He cared about me getting my photograph. Uh, which was which was uh, really fantastic, um, and then again the the people on the street these this mother and daughter would come out every day, um, and then you you know yes nurses do put their their guard down uh, but they were all they were all with people that they were with all the time, um, and one thing if they came out with their PPE they couldn't take it off. So a lot of the times I was just photographing eyes because if they took it off, then they'd have to go back into the hospital and put all new stuff on and they didn't have new stuff to put on. 
So it was very important to pay attention to that. Um, uh, but, you know, they got incredible humor. And of course, everything that went on, gay pride, uh, Floyd, uh, I love New York. Um, this woman here, you can see the, the her glasses are fogged because she was, I did a video of her, did only a small amount of video, but video of her. Um, and she's telling me about how she just lost her mother. Um, so there was a lot of those kind of stories in there. Um, so this, this book um, has gone to, um, well, I think we've done about 1500 copies sold and each, each one of the union members got a book. Um, and uh, next week I start on another book for the Lenox Hill, the uh, Greenwich Village Hospital. Um, so that's going to be very interesting to, I mean, they want to budget and how do you budget for something that you have absolutely no idea what's going to happen? You know, everything could just shut down again and it just be, I won't be able to do it, shoot anything. So I will be going down in there on Tuesday, just filling up cards because I'm going to need it for, um, for later on. Um, so, um, that's kind of what I'm doing at this time. And um, I went around the New York doing personal work, you know, taking pictures of empty streets and other people um, and always looking for outlets to, to go in and, and to work with people who need our help. I think that a lot of the times, uh, when I, what I found with here is photographing these nurses gave them a, gave them a break in the fact that they were, in the hospital deciding who gets a ventilator. It's like, that's gotta be devastating. You know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry you're gonna die because I gotta save this person because I only have one ventilator. Um, and that's what I was hearing every time I came out and just handing them a picture from the day before just gave them a little bit of a smile. And, um, and, and then, then I started getting people chasing after me to get their picture taken, which is even more fun. So, um, but I'm, I'm really, really glad that, that Dave gave us the opportunity to, to pull this together around the lens. I've been um, on different Zooms with him for quite a long time. And we will be doing this a lot more in the future. So we'd love to hear projects that you're doing or ideas for Zooms. Um, this is all visual journalism. Um, so we've got to just, we've got to show our work to get to get the recognition for it, but also to to get the word out as to what's going on in the world. And just between the three of us, and um, I'm sure that that uh, William has some stuff there. He's not showing us. I'm I'm sure he's got some cameras working there. I hope he does in the background. Um, but I would love to see more work. I'd love to um, talk to other people who are shooting and add to it. Um, and uh, go from there. So I'm really happy to see you all. And it's uh, fantastic. Um, and if there are any questions that people have of each other, please email us, email each other, keep in touch. And I think- um, Before you for sign off completely, and I'll cut myself out here, but can you just throw a plug in for aroundthelens.com so yep. people can find all the links and everything you talked about? Thanks. Yep. So um, in, from now on, um, 
to do more Zooms and, and to see more of our work is aroundlens.com. Go there and all the information is on there. Um, they have um, uh, Facebook, which uh, if we do a live Zoom, we can um, you know, link to people and people watch it live and, 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 and get the questions coming in. It's always fun and, and uh, lots, of, lots of stuff goes on. So aroundthelens.com. So, and I'm, I'm Bruce Byers. And thank you, Tracy. Thank you, Brittany. And William, thank you very, very much. And um, Dave, it's really great to, uh, to do this with you. And I look at doing some more in the near future. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you.